Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sidlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, grief, funerals, death, depression, monsters and monstrosity, fantasy violence, blood and bloodletting, gore, complex and complicated relationships, descriptions of food, and eating. Arc 5, Episode 13. Bad Dog, Bad Blood. From Summer Somewhere by Denez Smith. The worst thing about time, about daylight, about the world, is that in the aftermath of disaster, apocalypse, grief, it goes on. The sun here is gone, but the next day comes anyway, impassive to suffering, a hung jury in the trial of heartbreak. Karishma Bataval's secret garden blooms with sun-dappled marigolds and violet balsams. The sweet scent of pollen drifts past lush green bushes, gurgling streams of water, and a muster of peacocks strutting the perimeter as sunless light thickens. Amidst this beauty, Amidst this perfect snapshot of summer sustained by magic in the dead of winter, we find gentle. Gentle, your party's tents are packed, bed rolls stowed away, faces washed, teeth brushed with enchanted water from the nearby shallow pond. The rolling clucks of nearby birds punctuates the early afternoon air around you. You and Jaron and Sitlali, the hounds left behind, had received a telepathic message from the good Dr. Eluso several hours ago. Uh, we're running late, the missive had said, uh, ringing clear in your minds like a prayer bowl. Uh, Oka's, uh, processing? So's mercy. Uh, we'll be back in a few hours, uh, early afternoon, mid-afternoon. Um, don't be alarmed. Everything's okay. And so... Gentle, you wait. Where do we find you, and what are you up to? Um, probably near the water of the secret garden. I 
find that place very peaceful. Um, and I've probably made tea for the hounds who are here. I have some ready to go for uh, Oka and Mercy when they get back, if they'd like some. But I think I also want to go find Jaron, so I already have one made for him ready to go. Um, where's Jaron at? I think Jaron is double-checking that all of the things have been packed. They've been, I think, steering particularly clear of, like, Mercy's and Oka's things, letting kind of, like, Gentle and Lolly handle packing up those. But uh, he's making sure that, like, Gentle all of your stuff is good, that uh, his own stuff is uh, all accounted for, uh, and he's just kind of, like, taking inventory when you find him. Um, hey, I think I, I come up in, uh, Morose. Um, hey, Jeron, can we do sort of a check-in? Uh, yes, uh, Gentle, of course. Are you doing okay? I could be better, but I want to check in on you. Um... Seems like a lot of people have been wanting to do that lately. Well, I'm worried. Um, I made some tea. If you want to have a seat, we can just sort of check in and see how you're doing. Uh, yeah, I, um, I kind of put everything away, but we could just... And Jaron gestures to, I think, like a nearby tree that we could maybe sit underneath the shade of up against the trunk. Perfect. I, I also made tea, uh, just the morosey blend, um, if you want that as well. And I just sort of head over to the tree and uh, get cozy. Jaron will take the the mug of tea and kind of sit down, resting his head up against this trunk. And if you look, he looks tired. It's pretty obvious that Jaron probably didn't sleep at all last night. Or if he did, that it was extremely broken sleep. It feels pointless to ask how you're doing considering I can assume not great but how are you doing I'm tired gentle in every way I think that a person can be tired I think gentle just sort of nods just listening for a little bit is there anything that I can do to help Jaron will roll their head over along the trunk to look at gentle and like raise an eyebrow. Gentle, no. I think I've done enough. And I don't, I don't think it's your job this time to clean up my mess. I don't necessarily think that I, I want to clean up your mess, but I want to make sure you know you're still a person who deserves to be given a degree of care. You're still my best friend. Why? Because you've always been there for me and when you've had a low moment, I can be there for you. And you may have messed up really big, but that doesn't mean there's not a chance to still do something good. I don't know if we're the ones that get to decide that this time, Gentle. Fair, but either way, we still have a chance to help Indake. We still have a chance to be better than we were yesterday. And we can start by having a little bit of tea and talking about if there's anything you want to do or need to feel better so you can start helping. I don't even know what helping Undaki looks like anymore, if I'm being honest, Gentle. I thought I was helping. I thought that's what I was doing. And it's clear that I didn't know what I was doing. Well, I think the issue with that one comes from who you were getting help from. Adam's not nice, but 
there's people like Oka or Dr. O or Mercy or Lolly or I mean Root or just there's a lot of people we've met who want to help and make the world better and maybe next time we have to not trust people like Adam maybe hey gentle mm-hmm. I want to go home too all of those people our friends our family my parents none of them got a proper funeral none of them got anything we left without even looking back and I want to go home I've been thinking about home a lot especially with Bud I think it would be fair to bring Bud back to see the den he's from I want to go home and help fix that too really badly will you go with me yeah of course no question there is a rush of air uh, and a bright pinch of light as the invisible race dais in the center of the pond, the invisibility ripples off uh, like oil off the surface of water to reveal like a crackstone dais surrounded by arcane sigils, which are currently glowing like strings of the weave rippling through reality and sort of stitching themselves into existence atop this dais. Uh, the water sort of like causing ripples onto the shore, maybe like lapping up uh, against even the roots of the tree that the two of you are leaned up against. The three of you see Dr. Aluso, Oka, and Mercy begin to shimmer back into existence. And even over like the really austere like hum, of like uh, of like the magic, right? The music of the weave. You can hear Mercy's kind of gruff, slightly annoyed voice go, for hours, you had us on a wild goose chase, Oka. We thought you were dead or or stabbed to death or or burned to death or just any variety of dead. Why would you think that, Mercy? There's no reason for you to think that. I don't know. It happened to Bravi, didn't it? I, but you were gone and you said you'd be back in like half an hour and we couldn't find you. What did you expect? I fell asleep, Mercy. I've told you a thousand times. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't your... You're just gonna take a, take a breather in the middle of all this? Leaving me... Leaving me alone? You, uh, Mercy, you weren't alone. Yeah, yes, uh, Mercy, I was there with you. Um, the entire time? Well, yeah, of course, yes. Uh, Hitsagaton. Uh, do- Dr. Aluso, please. Right, Dr. O. Uh, fine, okay, we're here. We're good. And like, like the last bit of magic, like the glow dies down and we see this tall, you know, like half orc woman, right? With like this like long red hair tied up in a ponytail, Mercy, uh, accompanied by Dr. Luso and Oka. And I think as soon as we all get back, Oka's eyes are like flicking around the camp. And as soon as they find Jaron, uh, they start moving with purpose. They like walk off the dais, maybe like as Mercy is still trying to berate them, and they just like slosh through the water, marching their ass right up to Jaron. And listen, bud, uh, they're just gonna grab the front of his armor with both of their hands, pull you up, and then shove you against the tree again. There's this like really intense expression on their face, uh, and they take out their own dagger. For a moment, it's like coming at you. And then they flip the hilt and shove it into your left hand. As Oka pushed Jaron up against the tree, like they were still holding this mug of tea. And I think like a lot of it just kind of like sloughs out of the mug. And 
When Oka pulls out the dagger, in surprise, Dron drops the mug and it like shatters, I think, against the ground. And then he looks at this dagger in his hand and then looks back up at Oka confused. Listen to me, the Paragons are my family now. If you kill one of us, you kill all of us. So if that's your plan, and they take your hand and put it against their, like the bottom of their ribs, the tip of the knife, then just do it now. Jaron shakes his head and lowers the dagger. He's still holding on to it, but not pointed at Oka anymore. No, it wasn't my plan to kill the paragons. Not to kill you. One paragon is every paragon. You talk about how I <laughs> undid prophecy. You're wrong, Jaron. I didn't undo prophecy. The emperor was still stabbed through the chest. It still happened. Everything the dream prophets saw, it still happened. I made sure it happened. The eight of us need to be there. And maybe we die, but I don't stay dead. I never have. So promise me, promise me. Don't go somewhere I can't reach you. Okay, if that's what it takes. And Jaron will flip the dagger and offer it back to Oka with the blade in his palm. Uh, and Oka will actually, I think, close their hand over yours on the blade and pull it out. So both of their palms are cut. Uh, and I think instead of just bleeding out, the blood circles upward and around both of their wrists, uh, as I would like to make a blood promise. As I think like the blood wraps around both of their wrists and then it almost like turns into silver thread, uh, the same one that Jaron gave Oka before it sinks, it like ties around both of them and sinks into their skin. Oka looks at Jaron like really intently for a moment before dropping him and stepping away. Jaron doesn't say anything as this promise is being made. I think he's too busy looking at Oka, who I imagine maybe wasn't even looking at him while this was happening. And there's just regret in his eyes and a little bit of worry as he feels like he's looking at Oka maybe for the last time. And when they look back at him, he does everything that he can to take in every single feature of their face, their eyes, the scars, their lips, their ears, their freckles, everything. And then he lets Oka drop them and their legs kind of give way and they just kind of crumple to the ground. As you crumple next to the shattered shards of Gentle's mug uh, and next to Gentle, who would maybe go, uh, uh, to, to like catch the bug, but it like was happening a little too fast. We sweep across the garden to Mercy, who, while this was happening, had kept a wary eye on the proceedings. Uh, but when the blood promise was happening, she sort of seemed to like let out like a breath of relief. Cause like when, when a weapon's out, there's always like, we're always on edge here. So Mercy like turns around, sloshes through the shallow pond and toward where Sit Lolly is. I think Sidlali is tucked away um, in probably like one of the more difficult places to reach behind like some flowers and some foliage. Uh, they definitely didn't slip away there for any particular reason. And I think Mercy finds her with this beautiful ivory bowl. Thanks, pirate X bitch. Um, that's full of water that they had gotten from the pond. 
she's kind of like kneeled out, like set out to do something with it and has a clump of someone's hair and in one hand and a feather in the other. As they hear footsteps, their eyes kind of like dart up. And then when it's Mercy, she kind of relaxes a little bit and is like, Hey, how, hey. how, how are you? I'm a... She's like fighting off the shrubbery, <laughs> you know, like in a really... In, it's very obviously Mercy, like she stomps through it like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, she's going, shoo, shoo, as like a peacock is trying to like peck at her. She, go, go. She's like kicking it away. Uh, she steps over like a bush, brushes off some thorns and picks a leaf out of her hair. I'm well. And she looks a little unhinged. Darling, forgive me, you don't look well. Ah, well, well, you know, when your best friend gets stabbed to death uh, by your employee who directly disobeyed your second in order to stab your best friend to death, uh, you know, I'm holding up as well as I can. It was good to put Bravi to rest. It felt, it felt like a goodbye. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, is that Adam's hair? And Sitlali's very, like, open expression kind of closes up at that, like, a little bit. Um, are, are you trying to cast a curse? Is this a And, like, she, like, lowers her voice and, like, hun- like hunches down, like, huddles next to you. Is this, is this a curse? Is this, like, a curse bowl? Hey, that's, that's Shri Young's. I'd recognize that bowl anywhere. It was. It's mine now. Do you know what it does? Because I, I never figured it out. I'm not much of a magic person. Whenever I, I asked, she would just sort of giggle sinisterly uh, and say something about it being a curse bowl. So are you doing curses in the curse bowl? It's just a regular ivory bowl that's very expensive. That's really the only remarkable thing about it. Oh. Oh, so she lied. Okay. Um. Yeah. Right. Doesn't surprise she, me. Gatekeep girl boss too close to the sun. Yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's a pause and Mercy goes what does that mean never mind uh, I don't want to be reminded of my age here uh, what what are you doing with Adam Sarah during intel intel wait can you spy on him with that possibly probably hopefully will he be able to spy back is this dangerous sit lolly define dangerous uh, if he can, if he can spy back, those are my exact parameters. If he can spy back, he's probably already spying. So, I think in order to look into a house, you have to open up the curtains. You know what I mean? Well, it's not a scry per se. It's more of a. I don't know if you got the chance to fight him, but he's not quite a man. He's something else. I was a little busy uh, attacking the gigantic monster trying to come through the portal to literal fucking hell. Uh, So no, I kind of forgot about Adam. He, um, he took my changeling magic. What? And I would like to know a little more about him. Since he knows, um, he knows a lot about me, Mercy. More than he should be able to to ascertain through uh, the usual channels, so, um... He, he took your changeling magic? Is that even possible? Apparently. Oh. Sitlali, I'm... I'm so sorry about all of this fucking bullshit. You don't deserve any of this. I... I should have been there. I should have been there to, to, to help Stop. you sooner, to... Stop. Who didn't cast sending when they could? Sit, Lolly. Don't do this. It's not your fault in 
any it's way, shape, your, or form. I'm not. I'm not saying it is, but it's not your fault either. It's Adam's fault. So, he took something of mine. I ruined his little miracle. I mean, we all did, but I did put it back. And I just figure if he is more than a man, maybe we should find out what he is if we can. Okay, do your thing. So, Sitlali turns back to the bowl, grabs the raven feather in one hand, picks up some incense off the ground, and kind of scatters it in the bowl, and takes not all of Adam's hair, they're gonna save some of it for, you know, magical reference TM later, but sprinkle some of it in the bowl, and kind of like running their hand over, just like grazing the surface of the water, just says, Imago of the Chrysalis, servant of the stranger. And what do I see, Connie? Are you casting a spell? Oh, yes, I'm casting legend lore. Okay. You sprinkle ooh, you sprinkle his hair with the incense over the surface of the water. And it's true that Shriyang's uh, ivory bowl isn't magical by nature, but the ivory it's made from is like pure and refined, which makes it a perfect magical conduit. So I just want you to make me an arcana check to see how stable your hold on the magic is as it rips through you. 28. You're tethered. Uh, I think perhaps Mercy, you feel her hand like gently rest on like the small of your back and she just sort of says, you can do this. And like you say, you know, you say your spell and you feel completely grounded in the now, even as the surface of the water ripples and you are pulled into a vision. Sitlali, it's like the world around you just kind of warps, uh, kind of like bending space and time, right? Just like a warp tunnel, like, like you see like a Mercy's face just kind of distend and bend and sweep away in like just a realm of uh, light. Uh, you see all the trees and the shrubs and the peacocks, right? And the nuts and the berries just like they all like just turn into a, like wa- a watercolor painting uh, that someone poured water over, right? So you just see streaks of color just all around you and then boom, suddenly you're somewhere else. Uh, you know that this is a vision, Uh, And you still feel grounded. You can still feel your own body, right? It's almost like you're dreaming and you're aware of your physical body as you're dreaming. Uh, So this is very much not like you're being placed somewhere that's scary. Like you have full control over your own sensation here. You are in the weirdest room you've ever seen. There are glass panels along walls, uh, but they're not built into the walls like mirrors or windows. They come out off of the wall a little bit. Rectangular boxes, like one after the other, just down a line. There's an aisle uh, kind of between the boxes and there's like a set, like there are stands uh, full of just like extremely colorful, like almost like neon colored packages. Um, And there's lettering on the packages in a language you don't understand at all. And there's also sound coming from everywhere and nowhere at once, but it's kind of muffled and tinny. Um, And the sound is, uh, it takes you a minute to realize it's music, uh, but it's not any kind of music you've ever heard before. And it's in a language you don't get. And the rhythms are really weird. And there's some sort of like weird fizzy static that makes the music almost feel a little overstimulating. Like there are instruments being used that you've never heard before. And in the glass panels, the glass uh, boxes in front of you, there are handles on some of them, uh, you realize like long steel bars. Uh, And behind the glass, there are rows, almost like uh, shelves on a bookshelf. 
bookshelf. Like, you're like, okay, I know what a bookshelf is. Kind of looks like that, like a clear, like a bookshelf with a lid on it, but the lid's clear. Um, but instead of books, it's these cylindrical um, objects just kind of stacked in a row, right? Just one after the other. And they are just in these absurd colors. They're like, like they look like potions maybe, like bright red or like orange or like like electric green, you know, like some look like maybe acid. Um, some look like fire captured, suspended within. And some, it's just, it's odd. And everything in here feels a little cold. Uh, not so cold like like Bear's End, uh, but maybe like the beginning of Raven cold, like when it's turning from autumn to winter a little bit. And you see Adam. He looks like himself, but more disheveled. Uh, not nearly even as handsome, even. Uh, he's got some stubble on his face, and this is like if, like, you took Adam but just dialed down the attractiveness by a scale of five. And he's dressed in clothes you don't recognize. They, they're not, like, the pristine three-piece suits he has on. They're kind of gray, and they, like, don't shape off his body really well. Um, and you realize he's wearing slippers, um, on his feet. Like, showing, like, his feet and his toes. And he just lets out a... And he mutters something to himself in a language you don't understand, but sounds similar to whatever music is playing. Uh, and he reaches forward and opens up uh, one of the panels. Uh, and like a gust of like kind of cold mist rolls off. Must be some sort of like a freezing enchantment or something that comes off of this rectangle. He reaches in and he pulls out like a long looking tube, like a cylinder that has a, a shape that looks like a squiggle. Uh, it's a black cylinder uh, with green lettering on it. Uh, and the shape is like a, a black squiggle going up and then down and then up and then down again. Uh, reminds you of some sort of runic inscription. He like takes it nods. He turns around and takes some things off the shelves as well. Uh, and you realize he has a little like basket, like kind of dangling off of the crook of his elbow, but it's not like a wooden basket or like a metal basket. It's like made of a material that you've never quite seen before, but it seems rather lightweight. He puts several like objects into this basket and then he walks toward a counter near the front uh, where you see a large man wearing similar clothing as Adam here, but he has a name tag. You recognize what name tag is on it with the same kind of lettering on it. And there are just various odd devices, like all around this man. Like on the counter, there's like a large, like box shaped thing that is making like weird cling, cling, cling noises as another person's in front of the counter talking in this gibberish language. They seem to exchange something at the counter and this other person like takes it and then leaves out through a clear glass door uh, that leads into like a wide plane. Uh, but if like a plane was made of like black stone, right? And there are weird objects like every so couple of feet like on the plane uh, outside of the space. Uh, Adam steps up to the counter, has an exchange with the man in a language you don't understand. Adam is placing the items from his basket onto the counter and the man behind the counter is picking up each object using a strange device that, that has like a trigger or something on it, pointing the device and you see a beam of light shoot out of the device and there's a beep kind of noise uh, with each one. And he like places this potion on the counter and slides it back across. Beep, beep, beep. And the man just goes, uh-huh. And Adam goes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he digs through his pockets and pulls out like a folded, you recognize this, like a wallet. Um, but it's leather and it's kind of like patched around the sides. He pulls it out, he opens it up, and there's a pause. And even though everything here is super alien and strange to you, you recognize what's happening here. He doesn't have money. He pauses 
And then he pulls out like a flat, like a card of some sort uh, and hands it to the guy. Uh, and the guy behind the counter rolls his eyes, takes it and like puts the card, like reaches over the counter to put the card in a, inside a device that's right next to where Adam is. And Adam goes, uh, uh-huh. And the guy goes, uh-huh, and like sticks it in. Uh, and then there's a uh-uh-uh from the smaller device. And the guy goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And Adam goes, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And the guy goes, uh-huh. And Adam goes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the guy, they start arguing. Uh, and Adam just like sort of curses. He tries another card, but it, the device goes beep, beep, beep again and just makes the guy behind the counter look even more frustrated. So at the end, Adam just sort of throws his hands up. He goes, uh, he grabs the cylinder off of the counter and marches it back um, to where the translucent rectangles are. And he opens it up to like put it back. But as he does, something catches his eye. And we see like several people moving through the back of the space, this room. You've surmised at this point, it's a store of some sort. Uh, moving through the back of this store, maybe six or seven people. And maybe four of them are dressed in a way you recognize. You see leather armor. Someone has like an ax strapped to their back, right? And you can feel magic vibrating off of them, right? Like one of them has an eye patch on, right? Another one is sort of like ducking their head, has a hood on, but you see like tiefling horns sort of peeking out like under under the hood. And they all are sort of like, they seem to be struggling amongst themselves. And then I realize that four of them are dragging a fifth along, like some dude who has like this weird um, cloth. It looks gray uh, over his mouth. Uh, and like his wrists seem to be bound. And he's like, mm, 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 like they're being dragged. You feel the, you feel the magic, uh, Sitlali. I won't even make you do a roll for it. Some sort of illusion magic is cloaking them. Uh, making the guy behind the counter not notice them at all. But for some reason, Adam just stares and his like brow is nodded and he peers really intently at that corner. And then we see the sixth person uh, who is this tall, butch looking human woman, as far as you can tell. Her head is completely shaved and she's got these like intricate tattoos going like up the side of her neck and like up onto her head. They're taking this man into like a back room or something, like a door swings open, all like six of them go in. And this like butch woman, like she seems to be the leader. She pauses, like looks around, she sort of sees Adam and does sort of like a scoff and goes in as well. Right before she goes in, you see the back of her head, like the tattoo sort of coalesce there. And you see uh, several concentric circles overlaid on top of each other. Some of them have runic sigils that you recognize from Andake and some of them don't. Uh, and she strides into this room and it closes. And Adam is there with like one hand like in the ice cubicle, the other like hand like staring and he looks around. The guy behind the counter is consulting a box that has moving images on it and isn't paying attention to him. He pauses, he closes the door carefully to this like um, ice cubicle and he goes over to the other door and tries the handle and it unlatches. He opens it up and inside we see Sitlali what you recognize as probably a privy, but it's not a privy you've seen before. There's like a mirror mounted on one end and then a strange looking device that you realize is a toilet uh, and some sort of like basin. But the weirdest thing about this privy is that on the opposite wall, there is a massive swirling portal. And Adam stares at the portal and the portal stares at Adam back. And Adam closes like the, ba like the bathroom door behind him and steps through. Uh, and <laughs> Silali, we see you seeing Adam get sucked through time and space, like going through like a similar like warp sensation that you did to like see this memory. And then suddenly there's like a rush of water around him and he spit out on a beach. 
Uh, and we see like his hair, he's, he like coughs a little bit. He looks up, he's like, what the fuck? Like his hair is all wet, right? Uh, covered in like salt spray. Like he looks up around and it's like super dark here. There are no stars in the sky and you can hear screaming in the distance and you can feel the weave around you and you know immediately this is Endake. Not just Endake, but this is Endake immediately after the cataclysm. And there's no, like, there's no light except for distant fires burning, right? On, like, the shores that you can hear screaming in the distance in Talmadi. So this is somewhere in Talmud and he just, he, he lets out a and he's, like, getting up and, like, looking around like a scared, wet dog. And then you hear a fluttering noise and Adam freezes and turns around and you see sort of like rising up out of the sand, the chrysalis, the creature that you almost fought, but it's much smaller than the chrysalis you saw through the portal. It's maybe only the size of an elephant. Adam stares at it and seems like he can't compute what he's seeing because it just looks like a mass of wings. Like there's no body, there are no legs, no talons, no face. It's just a mass, like a lump, a chrysaloid shaped lump of wings on the sand that rises up. And Adam lets out a scream because you realize like as, as the chrysalis rises up, it seemed to have been eating, even though you don't see teeth or mouths, like some sort of like a, like a bulette, like on the beach, right? It had like ripped its armor plates off and was eating it right and it, it it rises up and adam ah, like falls back like onto onto like his ass and like starts like scurrying away from it like in fear and the chrysalis advances toward him and Zilali, you know the chrysalis is gonna fucking eat adam in this memory like it's it's uh, advancing on him to eat him and eat his fucking soul and then adam just looks up at it as it like rears in front of him like it's it's various like white tinged feathers rippling like like dressed up in gristle and gore and adam just says <sighs> and the chrysalis pauses it continues to ripple and adam just oh. and then you feel the chrysalis cast a, a spell or do some sort of magic over adam that ripples down his body and he goes oh, what the you're beautiful in talmadi and there's like a moment as they just look at each other and he goes i i I don't know what the fuck just happened um i was just at the fucking shell what you what is this place? Those cosplayers or whatever the f- What? But this is real, right? I mean, I haven't- Unless the shrooms that Gracie gave me were- No, 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 no. What? What? And he, like, stands up and, like, reaches out. And, like, a wing, like, peels off of the chrysalis's body and, like, ripples forward. And he goes, You were eating that thing. This place is so dark, but- Wait, wait. Don't eat me. Don't kill me. I can help you. I can tell you're- Strong, right? I'm not f from here, uh, but um, you're strong. You're strong, and I, I can help people who are strong. You know what I mean? I was one of the guys who, who who fucking built Bitcoin. I can, I can build, I can, I can build you up. I can. Don't kill me. Don't eat me. I can help you. You need me. You need me. And Sitlali, you snap back into your body. Lolly stares into the middle distance for um, an, an an unnaturally long time for them after magic. They just kind of come out of that slump down and just like stare at a peacock or something. Silali, Silali, are, are you okay? What did you see? Adam is not a Vendake. What? And not of this time. Huh? I don't know what time he is from or where he is from, but he is not what he th thinks what we think, what he wants us to think. He's, he's a con artist. 
Well, ob- obviously, right? You don't understand. He's a con artist. I can work with that. Uh, and maybe on that, we hear Dr. Luso's voice, like, cutting through, being like, uh, Sulali, mercy. And we, like, cut back through, like, the bushes to where Dr. O is. After Oka, like, drops Jerron, right? Jerron, like, slumped next to Gentle. Dr. Luso's going, um, I, I just think it might be a prudent idea to perhaps, um, talk next steps. Perhaps we can get everyone together back at the pond. Yeah, let's, I, uh, and then, like, Sulali looks like they have aged, like, several years from whatever has just happened. A lot has happened to them and not to the player at all. Um, (laughs) uh, And they just kind of, I think, take their bag of holding and like, well, they like, I think the spell consumes like everything in the bowl. So I think the bowl is like fine. Um, And they just kind of like shove it unceremoniously into the bag of holding um, along with the rest of Adam's hair. And uh, just kind of look to Mercy as like a, we should talk later. Okay, yeah, yeah, just, but you're fine, right? He didn't, he didn't look back. He didn't realize you were seeing him. I wasn't seeing him in the present, so most likely not. Good, good, okay, okay. All right, uh, coming, Dr. O. Uh, and at this point, Oka, Jaron, and Gentle, I assume you're also like maybe picking yourselves up and like coming together into like a circle with Dr. Lusu in it as well. Ah, good, good, it's good to see everyone's faces. Um, so, Oka. And Dr. Luso turns to you. How are you feeling about Vinash? I'm feeling like Vinash needs to go home. Okay. Well, I think it would be prudent if I stayed with your group until at least everything here resolves with the Aurochs Guild. Um, my next Alliance meeting isn't for another eight days, uh, so I have some time to burn, and frankly, I'm hitting a wall with my research back at the cottage, so if you don't mind, I'd love to tag along. Yeah, we could use a little bit of help, I think. Wonderful. I'd be more than happy to lend my assistance. Um, Sitlali, are you okay? You look a little pale. It's been a rough... And they kind of look to Mercy to see how... No, they look to Oka to see how much time has passed because they are still three days. Of course. It's extremely understandable. Um, yes, gentle. I don't want to, um, maybe break the, um of conversation, but does anyone know how to mend a, a broken mug? Uh, would you like to, Sitlali, or should I? Go ahead, I, go ahead. I mean, you, you could, we could both. I, oh. Uh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Sitlali cast mending. Uh, so does Dr. Aluso, right? Like, your magic twines together. What color, what color is your magic as, like, the pieces? It's pink. Like, pink. Uh, Dr. Aluso's is blue. Like, a nice, like, soft blue, like, rises up off the shards, like, intermingling with the pink. Trans rights! Trans rights! Uh, <laughs> the shards up off the ground and knit the, uh, woo! Uh, knit the cup back together. Thank you, that's all I had. Oh, oh, okay. Well... Do we feel prepared and ready to talk to the Aurochs? Ready as we'll ever be. I don't think it'll be that bad. Yeah, right. We only tried to uh, kill one of their captains. It'll be fine. But we got her back to them as agreed. I mean, if it's um, better for everyone, I can maybe... Uh, Mercy cuts into Interrupturon like he doesn't exist. We lost one of our own and rescued one of theirs. They should be thanking us, kissing the ground we walk on. It should be a piece of cake. All right, Dr. O, can you zap us to the Aurochs Guild headquarters or whatever, or do we have to walk? I'm afraid we'll have to walk. 
I don't quite have a ley line uh, to where the Aurochs Guild are headquartered quite yet. If we get to the pits, we get in. Let's go. All right, let's do this. And on like each of your like set faces, we're gonna cut over to an underground tunnel. Uh, this tunnel is thick with the sweet smell of rot, dirt, cave water. Uh, and actually tunnel is perhaps an understatement. Uh, this passageway is massive, uh, fit for a queen's hall, just huge, right? Uh, with rock walls like 70 feet apart on either side, uh, arching up to form a cavernous ceiling uh, up above dripping with stalactites and torches just along like 15 foot increments on either wall mounted on iron sconces light the way. Uh, and in the distance, all of you hear the sound of rushing water and leading your party, all of you, uh, through this like twisting network of vast subterranean tunnels underneath Dabathati is Lady Saram. Uh, we see her now like in her like kind of fr like frilly, kind of pink and black and white goth Lolita outfit with her little parasol up, accompanied, flanked on either side by four very well-armed, very well-trained looking Aurochs lieutenants. As she walks, right, her like heels kind of like clipping and echoing through like this vast cavernous space. She kind of throws over her shoulder, right, her like kind of like fluffy white pigtails like bouncing uh, on her shoulders. Denizens of Dabathati all know of the legend that our fine capital was built atop the graves of ancient giants. And she gestures at how huge like the tunnels are. Few of Dabathati know, however, that this myth is mostly true. Mixhien. You yourself are intimately aware of this fact when you liberated our city from the rage back in Mid-Swan, no? Yeah, there are a couple old giants in their still caves back there. One or two. And probably the biggest dog I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, yes, we've seen skeletons, but no well-preserved bodies down here in the catacombs. It's Prince. Ah, of course. My apologies, Prince Hien. And she stops and actually does like a sardonic curtsy in your direction. Oka does one back, and then they kind of like look sidelong at Sitlali for a minute and keep walking. Lady Saram like smiles, turns back around, and continues leading your party through. Dr. Aluso has like a floating journal out, too floating journals are out and like various uh, like four quills on each journal are like scribbling like all in constant blue light as they're looking around going oh my oh, look at that they're like look, like pointing out like various like aspects of this cavern or like scribbling it down like adjusting their glasses and like making like muttering to themselves right like intellectual fervor is happening here right and i think they're so lost in their thoughts they like bump into you a little oka uh oh my apologies oka this place is magnificent uh i think oka puts a hand on dr luso's back and it's like, um, you just look, I'll make sure you don't bump into anything. I appreciate that. I, I'm sorry, I'm not usually this clumsy. It's just the catacombs of Dabathati. I've always heard rumors of them, but I never thought they'd be this well-preserved. And obviously those fixtures are new. I mean, the sconces, uh, I might have a thing or two to say to the Aurochs Guild's captains about not disrupting an archeological site. Uh, but like, they're just sort of like muttering to themselves, right? As you continue to walk through the hallway. And eventually, Lady Saram uh, turns a roughly hewn corner with like huge jutting rocks that sort of obscure what's behind it. When you round the corner, you all see a magnificent chamber. Uh, it's as massive as any throne room, right? And it's dome-shaped. 
uh, with these natural stone walls all around roughly hewn draped in fabrics and silks with like candles melting on little outcroppings. And interestingly enough, massive paintings and statues, works of art, like priceless artifacts of art, like in nooks and crannies, like hanging, like some of them have plaques underneath, right? But you're way too far away to be able to read any of the plaques, but there's at least like a hundred, if not 200, like pieces of art just all over the walls here. And uh, you also notice the only parts of the walls that aren't adorned with art are crenellations in the surface where there are tombs. Uh, larger and wider than any of you thought possible, like built into the wall, sort of like stacks, 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 stacked up, right? And what Lady Siram said, the word catacomb sort of rings in your heads as you see these tombs. Uh, and you pause at like the, the entrance to this chamber and you see that the rocky ground of the space extends in front of you for maybe 50 feet or so before tapering off, sloping downward gently uh, into a sandy shoreline. Uh, and all of you see a waterfall, thunderous, silver, sort of pounding down from a crevasse in the ceiling, uh, gushing into a small pool uh, at the very back of this chamber. And standing where rock meets sand, her back turned to your party, leaning on a plain wooden cane, is old Mama Lightning, Captain Dovrenier Litto, the eldest leader of the Oroch's Guild and Paragon of Udabathi. She is flanked by no fewer than half a dozen guards on either side, who are all armed to the teeth. And without turning around, still leaning on her cane, looking at the waterfall in the distance, uh, Old Mama Lightning just says, Ah! And then she turns so you only see her profile, right? Like one of her mismatched eyes, the one with Thristy's gold sort of sparkling through it. Welcome! I've been waiting. I've had to pay these poor guards overtime. Are we ready? Okay, no, um, no lead up then. We'll just yank this thing right out of my soul and it'll be totally fine. Oh, I I'm sorry, should we have some small talk first? How was your day? Mine was pretty wretched. Mm, mine too. And what about you, something? Though, sources now tell me you're called Sitlali? That's correct. I'm fine. Good, 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 good. Some lying is necessary in small talk, no? And how are you? Our monk friend, ah, oh, the ever stalwart gentle. You know my name? Uh, you announced it to the entirety of the Chrysalis Conference, dear. I, I, I didn't realize that you uh, also heard that. I, you know, it could be a better day, but maybe I'll get Bud back soon, so it could be maybe a really good day still. Ah, yes, Bud. Well, you have to take that up with one of my captains. Unfortunately, that is beneath my pay grade here. But because you did render us a great service, and I do feel some measure of gratitude, just say, uh, Dovrenier sends her regards. Hmm? Thank you. Um, I think Gentle's, like, kind of hands are just kind of moving really fast at the idea. And you, the leader of this ragtag group... Mercy. So we've got a mercy and a gentle. Do we have a justice too? Hmm? Temperance, perhaps? Nope. Uh, those names would be dumb anyway. Yeah, I'm Mercy, leader of the Hounds of Mercy. And Mercy puffs up her chest a little bit and like crosses her arms and like eyes the really like heavily armed guards, like kind of like hmm, I could take them on a little bit, right? With her like big greatsword strapped to her back. You fought valiantly along with the rest of your subordinates. It's quite common for leaders to sit back and let their uh, underlings do all the dirty work. So I appreciate when leaders actually lead. Thank you. Yes, yes, I, 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 I lead very well. And Sitlali is, of course, my second. Ah, 
cool. And uh, of course, you are a new one. You're one of the, uh, you're the ninth seat on the Alliance, aren't you? I've heard a lot of things about you from various eyes and ears I have posted around and okay. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Dr. Luso closes some of the journals, right? And like they, they like float into their lab coat and disappear. Uh, yes. Hello, um, Captain Lito. I, I'm Dr. Luso. It's uh, nice to meet you. Uh, usually I wouldn't condone. Well, n- never mind. No, 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 no. Finish your sentence. I was just going to say, I, I disagree with what you're doing here um, and everything you stand for and all the values you hold, but it's an alliance. So, Sagu, Sagu, Sagu. Oh, I like this one. Mm. Well, you're right. It is an alliance that we have here. Insults shouldn't fly so freely. I wouldn't characterize them so much as insults, as statements of, of objective facts. It's, it's Sagatin. Oh. It's Sagatin. Mm. Yep, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Hmm. And we have the traitor. You know what the cost of uh, betrayal is here in the Aurochs Guild when we figure out we have a rat? You know what we do to snitches and rats here? I'm sure it's something very colorful. They come to me. Even the lowest ranking ones. Even the poor foot soldiers who've been suckered by promise of more gold on Kusing's side or, oh, spy for Bataval. They all go to me, and we never see them again. Ever. I don't think you'll be seeing much more of me after today. Don't worry. Good. Because if we do ever again, Jaron, you will answer to me, and I will have Vinash with me. And that is a threat. Because your friend, the Paragon of Sen, has tried to control Vinash's rage to varying success. I will not be afraid to unleash it. And Duran, I think, like, shrinks. Duran has been trying very hard to hide behind people this whole time. He was he was hoping that he could just be here. They could do everything and then they could leave and it would be fine. Um, so I think they're just kind of, they could just kind of, like, shrink a little bit at that. Um, recognizing that that is a very real threat, given what Vinash has done to Sitalali without even Oko wanting him too, so. Thank you, old mama lightning, but that's my problem for now. Mm, yes, it is. Yes, it is. The Hounds of Mercy is certainly an apt name for your group. Merciful. You should consider yourself lucky and display some gratitude, traitor. I'm trying. Paragon of Sen, shall we? Uh, and Oka kind of like looks down at themselves. It looks like they didn't sleep and then they slept in a hole, which is exactly what happened, actually. Um, and they kind of step forward, look back at Sitlali. Um, I could, maybe do you think you could just help? Sitlali steps up behind, like just behind Oka's shoulder. Whatever you need. Oka, I think, just kind of stands there for like a long time. Nothing's happening yet. Isn't it supposed to be happening, right? I think you have to tell him to go. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> and Oka plunges down into themselves. Almost like they're speaking into a dark hallway. Vinash? Are you in here? And the hallway lights up. 
you see like a tiny spark of red lightning at the very, very far end of the corridor and almost like a, like a gout of flame rushing through like a, a corridor that's been trapped, you know, like rigged with this explosive, like a plasmatic spiral of like storm cloud, red lightning, thunder begins to ripple upward toward you as Vinash responds. And Vinash's voice goes, Grief! I can feel your grief roiling like thunder within your soul. I feel your pain. I feel your loneliness. It's time for me to leave. I saved her from you. You don't get to grieve her with me. Don't I? She saved me from the nothing. I guess she saved us both from the nothing. She did. Ravi! The bards and the myths and the legends of Andake beyond her time will sing her name to the heavens. Ravi! Uh, and lightning begins to spark off your skin uh, as you feel something very hot, like a hot stone passing through your body, rise up through your sternum. And it's just sort of like that same word over and over again. Ravi keeps echoing off every spark, coming off your skin. And we all see uh, Oka ensconced in this like blistering red lightning, but even where it strikes, it doesn't hurt. Maybe there's some flinching from Sitlali, perhaps. Like, I think Mercy protectively steps forward, tries to shield Sitlali with her body, and a stray bolt, like, clips Mercy on the shoulder, and she flinches, but it doesn't hurt, and she goes, oh. It's almost like just a kiss of static. Because Vinash, for once, is not angry. He's ready. He's ready to go home. And as he begins to surface, like, out of your body, right, because the entire chamber starts getting painted red, right? And Oka, you feel your feet lift off the ground a little bit. Like, your heels come off the ground, like, there's a magnetic charge above you that's just attracting you, like, through your sternum, like, up off the ground, right? Like, your chest opens up, right? And you begin to float. And I think the ball of red lightning uh, actually escapes out of their mouth. Like, they just open their mouth and this, like, ball of lightning, like, rolls off of their, like, now blue tongue. Uh, and they kind of just hold it in their hands uh, before I think it jumps out. This spark, this god shard of Vinash, uh, tangibilized, actualized, rolls off of your azure tongue. You, like, it comes out and like a little like plasma ball or like starts sparking like through space I just floats in the air and wind is just whipping around this chamber everywhere like rattling uh, the frames of the various paintings against like the stone like a couple of like, statues begin to tremble and shake like the plaques also rattle uh, and amidst like the roar of this like storm wind and like Vinash's like zapping entity uh, old mama lightning shouts leave us all of you uh, and all of the Aurochs Guild people, including Lady Saram, leave immediately. They just get out of here. Like, they obey their, like, captain's orders and they, they leave. And as soon as all of them are gone like like that, uh, Old Mama Lightning, like, her hair has come undone from the bun, right? And we see this, like, a long flag of, like, like bright white hair streaked with, like, dark gray. And Old Mama Lightning, like, reaches up. As Oka, you're floating in the air, she reaches up, like, for, for the plasma ball. And that drifts down, down, down as you're still up there and like still glowing and sparking and she grabs Vinash in her hand and she um she eats him 
uh, she puts Vinash up to her mouth and swallows. And we see this like ball of electricity glowing against her throat and then it sinks into her sternum, into her chest. And she goes, ah! <gasps> and we see like uh, flickering into existence on her forehead, Sunder her paragon weapon, right? A gold crown point, uh, a black crown point, and now gzz, 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 a red crown point, right? Flicks into existence, and all three of them spear into her forehead. She flinches a little, ah! <gasps> oh, but the pain is full of power, isn't it, Vinash? My brother, you're finally reunited with your siblings, and we are finally whole! And she like pulls her like hand down and the spikes dig in and a river of blood just like gushes down her face, right? It like streams down her tunic, right? And like disappears like into her clothing uh, and all the whipping of the wind starts to die down, right? She's like glowing uh, three different colors, black light, gold light, and red light are just beaming off her body. Her eyes are closed. She's floating a little bit. Um, and you, Oka, and old mama lightning float back down onto the ground. And like the wind like dissipates and cuts out, right? The glowing coming off her skin like sort of dies down. Ah, when she opens her eyes, one of her eyes is flickering and sparking with three different colors, gold, black, and red. And the other eye is old mama lightning's regular black. Ah, I don't look too different. Uh, except that her hair is down, right? It just continues to flutter behind her. Uh, and Sunder is still there. Like, and her face is full of blood. Huh. <sighs> okay, Sunder, you can go away. Yeah, what? She suddenly stops moving and just kind of stares off into the distance. Like, almost with like a trance look coming over her eyes. Uh, for maybe three seconds. And then she just goes, what? Sorry, how, how long was I? How long was I gone? Not at all. <clears throat> good, good. So, Bazul, former Paragon, just wanted to have a word. There was a whole vision. I was swimming in a sea of blood. It was, it was nice. It was nice. Uh, but I, I'm here now. Thank you, Bazul. Uh, apparently, this won't go away. Uh, she like snaps her fingers, like trying to de-summon Sunder, but it won't leave. Ah, well, God, what? Uh, I suppose I'm the Paragon of you to buff you now properly. And Oka crumples. I think uh, their knees buckle. Yeah, well, like, uh, them. Uh, uh, feels really uh, empty in there. You're okay. uh, are you sure it didn't take all, all of it? Am I still in there? You're okay. Am I still it's in? still you. It's you. It's all you. It's, it's me. It's you. It's me. Put back together. It's you. You're okay. Doctor Luso. Uh, also rushes over uh, and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just, uh, and like their hands begin to glow blue and they like trace them over your sternum. Yeah, I can feel, it's all you. Well, it's, you know, the shattered Celian soul in your, we, we, we know the deal. It's, it's you. Oka, you're, Oka, you're you again. And Oka kind of blinks up at both of them. Like they don't really know what that means, but they nod. Uh, and I think as they blink, the little red lightning that had been bisected through one of their eyes begins to fade until it's just like a whisper of an idea of what was once there. While this is happening, I think Jaron instinctively kind of like grabbed onto Gentle's arm and is just like squeezing it really hard because he realizes that this is the first step in Oka fully realizing and becoming the Paragon of Sen. And as big of a moment as this is for Old Mama Lightning, and even for Oka, really, it's 
good, but they're having a hard time convincing themselves that this is good. I think I just sort of give you a like, uh, like a smile that says like, I, I'm here for you. I understand this is a lot happening. And I offer you like a piece of like, like sort of the anxiety candies. Maybe this will help a little bit. Just the gesture alone. Yeah, and I think uh, Jerome just kind of like rolls the candy in their mouth and they're trying very hard not to like cry right now. At this point, old mama lightning, where rock meets sand, sort of thumps her cane against the ground and says, oh, okay, okay, that was quite a, whoo, what an encounter. You're doing well over there, Paragon of Sen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, about as well as I figured he'd be. <sighs> what a day, what a day. You know what? I think it's time. I think it's time someone should know you exist. Don't you, mother? Don't worry, not evil mother. My mother. And there is like the waterfall uh, rushes harder somehow. And then all of you see like like situated perfectly behind uh, Old Mama Lightning, the waterfall splits open and it reveals like a secret tunnel, like a secret passage uh, beyond the rushing waters. Emerging uh, from the pounding gush of this waterfall, eight feet tall, eight feet wide, is a beholder. Her skin is a deep, deep indigo uh, marked with these pebbled little crenellations and more scars from various failed adventurers' swords and spears than you can count. And in the center of her perfectly spherical body is a single vivid black eye, the iris curved into the shape of a crescent. We see 10 stalks segmented and almost insectile uh, protruding from her body in like a perfect fan, like spokes on a sunbeam, uh, with the blinking eyes of various colors and shapes looking in all directions at the top of each stalk. And a gash underneath the central eye in the middle uh, opens and you realize it's not a gash at all, it's a mouth uh, filled with thick, sharp, pointed teeth. And you realize that this thing, this beholder, is smiling. Old Mama Lightning just goes, ah, oh, thank you, Mother. No, I think these, we can let these ones live. They, they rescued me, actually, when you couldn't feel me because I was in the nothing plane. But they could. They found me. And they saved me. And the beholder's eyes, which were eyes on their uh, stalks, are swiveling in all directions, but the central eye, like, fixes on your party. Like, this massive, like, four-foot-tall iris, like, swiveling to look at all of you. There was this what you were starting to tell me before. Ah, yes, yes. I mean, I'm a hundred odd. I'm probably gonna live for another 300. I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yes, I was made by my mother, the Aurochs, as she is known, uh, though she used to go by, was it Ralicor the Promethean? And there's kind of like a growling noise, like rocks being like, like sort of mashed against each other coming from the mouth of this beholder. And old mama lightning nods and goes, oh yes, Ralicor the Promethean. Uh, no, but she's, um, goes by the Aurochs now, uh, created me after she had a dream, uh, a vision of the world ending, uh, when she was haunting caves in Long, And so I was made, dreamed me into existence because you're all monster hunters. All of you can roll nature 
or religion. I'll let you choose to know what the fuck is happening. Can I get advantage because of yes. my um my hunter? Yes, you can. Sixteen. Twenty-six. Thirteen. Twenty-two. Uh, Jaron and Gentle, the two of you know that beholders are monsters and they are also emissaries, uh, similar to Telian or demons. Uh, and you also know that they're really, really, really rare. As far as emissaries go, it's more common to encounter a demon like the Myriad than it is to encounter a beholder. Most people never do uh, because they're extremely smart. Uh, but with your roles, that's all you really know. Sit Lali with a 20-something. You know that emissaries, of course, are widely regarded uh, among scholars as innately aligned creatures, right? Uh, beings of pure magic and divinity who embody aspects of their god's domain. Uh, so demons like the Myriad, who belongs to Sen, are innately evil, some would argue, uh, enacting violence and causing suffering for fun. And beholders, as far as you know, with your 20-something, aren't innately good or evil. They're regarded by scholars as like neutrally aligned. They're they're not driven by trying to cause good or trying to cause suffering. Oka, with your 26, you know that all beholders in recorded existence uh, of Andake scholarship belong to one god, which is Mengshen, Judi. Uh, because beholders' directive uh, is to seek knowledge at all costs. They are knowledge seekers. And like each beholder, you would also know if the high role has like a different thing that they seek knowledge about. And like looking around this like cave, looking at all these art pieces, you get a feeling you know what the Aurox's drive is. Um, and you also know with a high role that scholars of monstrous ontology uh, have historically categorized demons and beholders and whatnot as like, oh, demons are evil, angels are good, right? Uh, celestials are good, right? Uh, fiends are evil, beholders are neutral. But that's a very person way of like projecting morality onto creatures of like pure magic. Definitions are constantly evolving. Oka is in shocked silence, I think still kind of kneeling on the ground, looking up at this beholder. Uh, and I think they just whisper under their breath, Ralakor the Promethean killed Prince Long 215 years ago, which I think is a bit of obscure knowledge in the Too Long and Royal family line. And they just kind of tip their head to the side and they have no further questions, Your Honor. Nice to meet you. Uh, the rumbling rock noise emits from the Aurochs' mouth again, and Old Mama Lightning translates and says, Ah! Uh, yes, my mother says, nice to meet you as well. Oh, oh, oh uh-huh, uh-huh. No, 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 I know that one's a traitor, but we're not, we're, I don't think you should eat him this time. No, we, we, we made a deal. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank, thank you for not eating, my friend. Jaron hides even further behind Gentle at this. Dr. Aluso is writing furiously. It's like making diagrams, like his writing, his drawing is like, fear, like quails are furiously going. I think, okay, they're in shock. And then they stand up and they take like a bunch of steps forward. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say that you dreamed that, that, that she dreamed about, about the cataclysm? Uh, yes. Yes, my mother did. Uh, but this was a number of years ago. Uh, over a hundred, 107, 107. How old am I? Oh, 170, something like that. Uh, you lose track of time after a while. And dreamed me into existence. But you know, she's a beholder. When you monster hunters get a hold of beholders in an area, well, you send people with pitchforks and swords and magic to kill her. So she was a little reluctant to part with this knowledge, you understand. Oka okay, nods kind of like fervently. Uh, what about what about the the other emissaries? The ones afflicted by... And they kind of trail off and touch their chest. 
Ah, yes. Well, my mother has been safe from the afflictions. Uh, nestled down here, she protects herself with various uh, magics. Uh, and of course, she has a very powerful, uh, let's just say, anti-magic tool at her disposal as well. I pray that she never has to use it on any of you. But we have heard tales of the other emissaries losing control of themselves, uh, struck with a violent fervor. At first, that's what we thought was happening in Dabathati. Then we realized it was Vinash a little too late. Now, of course, we know that the forces of the empty conspire to addle the minds of emissaries everywhere. It has been like this for a long time. Every so often, we sense strange pulses coming from somewhere deep, deep within Andake herself. We can't exactly pinpoint it, though. My mother, my mother advises me it's wise not to pursue that line of questioning. It may only lead to death. Jerron nudges Gentle in the back and just kind of whispers into their ear. Ask the mother if she's seen any other visions about the Paragons or about the Cataclysm or the Stranger of the Paragon War. I don't think I should ask. Um, ha have you seen any other visions about the Paragon War or uh, any of this? Uh-huh. Uh, well, my mother, she she's not the Paragon. I am, which is interesting. Creation of an emissary of flesh and bone. Body, mind, and soul are all still a person's. That's me. Existence is such a marvel, don't you think? But no, other than that one dream she had that birthed me into existence, there's been nothing coming to her. She is... Uh, what was that? What? Oh. Oh, it, it, the, the doctor? Is that right? Dr. Aluso? Uh, and Dr. Aluso pauses in scribbling. Uh, yes? How old are you? Um, I believe I'm in my 30s. What do you mean you believe? Well, I, uh, it, it, it's a long story. My memories are a little addled. I have a few theories about why I can't exactly remember where I came from uh, precisely, but I mean, just based on my bodily health, my physical standard, I think I may be in my 30s. Uh, no, my mother's pretty sure she saw you in too long. Yes, someone who looks exactly like you. She has a perfect memory, mind you. Uh, 150 years ago. What? Yes. What What was I doing in too long? Oh, you were passing through a neck of uh, the bamboo grove that she was hiding out in. She observed you. You seemed to be very intent, heading toward Dokao. Oh. Well... Okay, okay, I'm... Thank you for this, I... Uh, they, like, open another journal that looks like a personal journal, maybe. Like a leather-bound one that's much smaller than their research notes, and they scribble something longhand in it. Thank you for letting me... Is there anything else you can tell me about what you saw, uh, oh, great Aurochs? Uh, they're like, rumble, rumble, rock, rock. Uh, just that you looked, um... Well, you looked exactly like you do now, but just a little different. Uh, can you be more specific? If I look exactly the same but different, could you specify the difference, please? Mm. Colder? Was it winter? Was I shivering? No, no, something about your face looked colder. Alright, I think that's enough. Uh, my mother needs to, um, you know, clean the segments in her joints. Uh, so, uh, 
Bye-bye, Mother. I'll see you later. I'll, yes, I'll bring you that golden statue of uh, Galtanger you asked for. I have uh, good authority that probably the Kagan has it somewhere in her belongings. Well, okay, goodbye, Mother. And the Orox begins to float like backward back through like the waterfall, like making those rumbling noises this entire time. Jaron uh, can't help himself, and he yells out after the Orox as uh, she's floating away. But if you as an emissary saw a dream, a vision, that means maybe the others have as well. Uh, what, uh, oh, and she's gone. Uh, but she, what, I can answer that question for you, uh, traitor. My mother is an emissary that lives alone. Beholders don't like uh, other beholders uh, or other emissaries very much because, well, it's said that if you drink the blood of a beholder, you'll know everything you want about anything you desire. So, well, leads a lot of people to try to kill beholders. But based on just my position as captain of the Aurochs Guild, I have heard rumors of other emissaries behaving strangely before being struck wild. Strangely how? Thrashing around. Like their minds are addled. Something's messed with their souls. That sort of thing. And this is, you said, before they were afflicted. Correct. And she pauses and says, I will answer no more questions from the traitor. And I believe you have a dire wolf to fetch, no? We do. Ogus stares off after the beholder for a little while before taking a few steps backward, walking back to Mercy and putting ten gold pieces uh, into her hand. Fucking told you so. I, that was definitely a beholder that I fought. hundred percent. Shut up, Mercy. She like pockets the gold and just goes, man, if this day gets any weirder. Well, I guess it's time to go pick up my talking dire wolf, then. We open on another chamber in this sprawling underground network of catacombs that comprises the Aurochs Guild's headquarters. We find ourselves in what is very obviously Sybil's private play chamber. Uh, this space, it's quite obvious as well, you, is a repurposed animal den. Uh, because in this space, there are tons of creatures, uh, monsters even. Uh, a haze of smoke and fog like hangs near the cavernous ceiling as at the mouth of this uh, chamber, all of you see bulets, rust monsters, owlbears, slimes, large carnivorous looking plants, even just sort of like free roaming. But each of them has either a collar on or some sort of marking or like a little like, like badge or a shirt or something that like has an S on it for Sybil. And we see like in one corner, like a big carnivorous looking like poison plant. Uh, it's sort of like, uh, ha has like a bulb that opens up and and is, is the source of all the smoke um, that like people like sitting near sort of like, they breathe in and when they breathe out, we see like their desires sort of like form in the smoke. Uh, and like, this seems to be like a desire plant of some sort. Uh, so try not to get too close to that plant if you don't want to be honest with yourself. Uh, and we also see like a, like a big like slime, right? Like that looks clear, like a cube, like on like a raised dais and like people, like various lackeys, right? Orox guild, like thralls or whatever are like uh, moving up toward the, the, the je jelly and they like, ooh, they like go in, right? And they're suspended in it, right? And they like sort of like float through the jelly as like playtime. Um, and the jelly isn't like disintegrating them to bone, like you know gelatinous cubes usually do. The jelly just sort of like lets out like seems to be having fun as people are like swimming through his interior. And we also see like various purring like bulets 
sort of nuzzling up against like various like people like draped in robes or like just nuzzling and stroking them and feeding them like berries and meats like from their hand. We also see like owlbears, right? And I keep um, like closing their mouth like right before like someone like pulls their hand out and laughing, stuff like that. There's like tons of people in here, maybe like a couple dozen, just like playing, playing with these extremely dangerous animals and creatures. Uh, in the back of this chamber, uh, very much wearing the vibe of someone in charge of an orgy before it begins, uh, we see Sybil on this like chaise lounge, uh, like some sort of lavish princeling, blowing smoke rings from a pipe that seems to be of the same kind of, has the same kind of herb in it as a carnivorous plant. Maybe they took a few trimmings or something. Um, and you see coming out of like the, the smoke are Sitlali's face right as they just blow it like into the face of like an expectant lover like at their feet right um their dark like red skin long like black horns cracked mortar just venting steam golden eyes turn right this half ganasi half tiefling sees like through the smoke and everyone's like ooh, like gooey kind of moving bodies like all of you ah and they stand up slowly and we see at their feet sleeping curled up bud I think I'll take point on this one. Um, Silali does say that under their breath, but like loud enough, not not quiet enough for anyone to um, not hear. Um, and just kind of like, you know, she like makes sure her armor is good. She like kind of fluffs her hair a little bit and just kind of stalks forward, hips swaying, if you will. Captain, I believe we have some business to attend ah, to. Ah, yes. I believe we do. It is so good to see you again, Sitlali. And you, Captain. They, like, blow your own face in your direction, right? Uh, they reach out a hand to take yours. I believe I have held my end of the bargain. Ah. They curl their fingers back into a fist and, like, take it away from you. Uh, and they're sort of, like, draped in these, like, robes, you know what I mean? They, like, turn to, like, look at the rest of your party. Business. Well, this is a pleasure place. Business has no space here. But if you insist, if you insist, Sitvali, I suppose I could bend the rules for you. Mighty benevolent of you, Captain. Mm. Sybil. You're here for Bud. And at the mention of his name, Bud's ear sort of flops, but he uh, continues to like sleep, right? He's like, he looks to be dreaming. His like nose is twitching. Yes, we have come to collect. Oh, or rather, oh, what's the name he answers to nowadays? Butcher. And at that, the ears stand up completely, and Bud opens like their like big like lychee black eyes and oh, like smacks like their like big jaw and looks around. Sitlali did not know that. Sitlali looks visibly taken aback and kind of glances to one side, but doesn't quite look back. I'm sorry, did I forget to mention that on our date? I mean, I assured you, and this is still true, that your bud was healthy and safe. But, um, he's taken up a few new hobbies. Did I neglect to mention? You did. My apologies, I was so enraptured by your presence. It must have slipped my mind. How careless of you. I promise it won't happen again. You best keep that promise. Oh, darling, when have I ever broken a promise to you? Zavali just stares at them. Well, Butcher, and Bud sort of gets up into like a sit position. Ah, uh, yes, Sybil? 
They've come to collect your old family. They want you back. Do you want to go? I, but, but my home is here with everyone else. The, the plants, the slimes, the bullets, and the owlbears. My, my home's here, right? Oh, you poor thing. And Sybil reaches down and scratches like underneath Bud's chin and Bud's go, mm, 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 like, as, like he's getting scratched. Uh, and Sybil goes, unfortunately, these bad, bad people want to take you away from me. So you have to go, Butcher. You have to go Sybil. back to... <laughs> Was that a little too much? Quit the showboating and hand him over. Fine. The smile, like, drops off Sybil's face, right? And they, like, twirl their fingers, and the pipe just disappears in a puff of smoke. Uh, and they turn to Bud fully, and they go, Butcher, it's time for you to leave. There's no room for you here anymore. They want you back. And I'm sorry, but I said they could have you, because they did something very good for us, and now we have to pay the price. That's just how the world works. I'm sorry. Maybe one day you'll be strong enough to be a player at the table, but for now you're just a chip. You understand, Sibyl. right? What? I'm doing what you asked. I... I don't wanna... I don't wanna go. You're my... You're my friend, right, Sybil? You wouldn't give your friend away. Didn't we have fun? Didn't I do good in the pit? Being butcher? Mm, you were a shiny little toy, I'll admit, but, uh... Don't frankly... talk about him like that. Oh my... I think Gentle takes a few steps forward, <laughs> and my hands have been clenched the entire time and glowing with a very pale, sickly green, and like my eyes are very red and already streamed with tears. Please just give Bud back. Okay, okay. Uh, Sybil reaches down to take the collar off of Bud's large neck, but I. Sybil, no! I don't understand! I don't wanna. Wait, but I already had to leave that family first and now I have to leave this family and I have to go back but I Sybil please Sybil will you come please and be, be my friend maybe we can all be friends maybe all of us can just be friends together and Sybil goes um, oh bud and like ruffles like the top of Bud's, Bud's head bud baby boy butcher you were never a friend you were just a toy at least I'm upfront about it Unlike the people you're going back to. Don't talk to Bud like that. I will talk I to Butcher. I a few more steps. However I please. You stole Bud from me. Then you talk to him like this. You were the one who left to check on your friend. Left your Bud unattended with a stranger. You lied to me. You only have yourself to blame, gentle. I'm not going to feel bad for trusting people. My mistake Maybe you should. trusting someone like you. <laughs> oh my someone like me and what exactly are you implying there someone who would lie and take something that means the world to me I love Bud and you lied and stole him because you thought it would be I don't know fun and it was we had so much fun, Gentle, so much fun without you. So many growing moments, so many important memories that you missed. I mean, if Bud meant that much to you, why didn't you come galloping after me immediately after we realized he was gone? I tried. Tried. Uh-huh. That's the operative word there, assume. That's enough, Sybil. 
Okay. Oh, one more thing, Butcher. Ansit Volley. Uh, and like, Bud's sitting up there on the dais, like, collars off in Sybil's hand that they're like sort of holding like a trophy. Bud hasn't gone over to you quite yet, gentle. Sybil looks to you, Sitlali. I believe you promised me something else in exchange for Bud, in addition to uh, Captain Lizzo's safe return. I assume I can cash that in whenever I want. Whenever I am in Dabathati, yes. I have a feeling you don't intend to come back for some time. I go where I am needed. So, before you leave, I think I'd like to cash in that debt now. Not immediately, but before your affairs in Dabathati are over. A second date. That was what we agreed upon, yes. Mm. Very well then, before you leave, I will see you at our usual spot. Yes, you will. <laughs> Fine. And Sybil curls their fingers, the one with the collar in it, and the collar erupts into flame, right? And just sort of disappears in a puff of smoke. And Bud just goes, no, I... And like Bud turns their like big gaze back on you, Gentle, and just goes, I hate you, Gentle! And runs down the dais toward you, but like past you, right? To sulk. I deserve that. I think I walk up to Sybil uh, as close as allowed. And in a very low tone, I just whisper, if not for Sid Lolly, I would have killed you. And then I would <laughs> turn around and leave and go after Bud. Ooh, what a thrill down my spine. Hey, if you're ever free in Dabathati too, gentle, and you want to uh, make amends, <laughs> you know where to find me. I'm ignoring them completely. I'm just going to go, go after Bud. Okay. Yeah, Jaron would have been turning immediately or running after Gentle. I think Oka was kind of enraptured by all of the monsters in here a little bit. And they, like, I think were maybe, like, taking notes with Dr. Eluso and Mercy, like, about, like, a particularly, like, rare breed of owlbear. And when they see Gentle go by, they're like, oh, uh, I think something happened. Uh, We should go. We should go. Uh, Let's go. Come on. Yeah, yeah. But that that one has four fingers on its talon. Not three, like the usual. And like, like Mercy's like talking with you as you're like going out. And Dr. Lucio also goes, oh, yes. And is like packing up their notes and starts to walk past you, sit Lolly, on the way out. Dr. O. Uh, oh, yes. A moment before we rejoin the others. Oh, uh, sure. Of course. And Dr. Lucio like moves off to like a secluded area by the entrance of the, the play space. Yes. I've been giving the prophecy some thought um do the paragons need to have their complete souls for the final Uh, showdown with the stranger define complete what are you what are you getting at here sitnali we've both seen oka's soul well yes is the bit in the after going to be a problem i don't know then i suppose i'll have to find out ah yes Yes, good point. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that slipped past me. Uh, we shouldn't, mm, we should tell Oka, but I don't want to worry that, maybe not today. You know not what today. I mean? Okay. Let's keep in touch about it, perhaps? Yes, yes. You can cast sending, so can I. We can just, faster than the scrying. you? Yes. Interesting, I thought that was only cleric magic. Oh, is it? Well, I, 
I wrote a dissertation uh, on the rigid categorizations of magic, uh, and I believe that the boundaries are more porous than a lot of scholars believe. Not to say that your academic schooling, in terms of, you know, Thama, anyway. Uh, no, no, I would, if you could send that dissertation as well, that would be very fascinating for me. Of course, yes, I would love to. Excellent. Great. Let's rejoin the others, shall we? Agreed. Uh, Goodbye, owlbears. Uh, and Dr. Uso turns around and like hustles out of the chamber. And I think Sitlali throws one last look at Sybil. As they leave, they kind of stop. And they cast sending, so it's not out loud. They say, you're a monster, but you're a very attractive one. Uh, Sybil just lounging back on the chair again. An owlbear cub has taken Bud's place almost immediately at their feet. They're, they've moved on to the next shiny toy. Uh, mm-hmm. Sybil lounges and just sort of winks at you from across the smoke and they go, uh, I'm looking forward to our next date. I promise to do that uh, thing with my tongue again if you want. Sit lolly, winks, and leaves. <laughs> I mean, what gentle doesn't know can't hurt him. Uh... <laughs> We move out into the corridor where Bud is kind of sulking against a wall, you know, just sort of pacing and making like wolf-like moans and whines and seems very upset. Uh, and gentle, you've run out with Jaron after you. Bud, I'm I'm sorry about everything, but please, I, I came back for you because I was always going to come back for you. I don't, I don't want to talk to you right now. I understand that. Is there anything I can do to help right now? No. Okay. Have you eaten recently? Yeah, I had a filet mignon. I could try to learn the recipe for you. You hear like a sniff? And Bud slash Butcher looks over his shoulder a little bit at you and says, Are you still good at cooking? Yeah, of course. Also, Connie, don't you slash Butcher Bud. I will fight you. (laughs) (laughs) Above the table, I will be fought. Um, Bud (laughs) says, What? But that doesn't even matter, because Sybil's cooks are really good at making the meat nice and rare just like I want, but with a little bit of sear, and I, I bet you wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, now that I know that's how you want your food cooked, I can try. I still don't want to talk to you. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still mad. I just lost one family. I lost a family that I don't even remember, and then I had you, and then I lost you, and then I had Sybil, and now I've lost Sybil. Mm-mm. I know. I... I know, and I don't want you to have to lose anything ever again. I want to keep you safe, and I want you to be safe with the house. I mean, we even have Oka, and everyone's back together, and things will get better. Hmm. And Bud just sort of sinks down to the floor and covers his ears with his paws at the end of your sentence and just sort of buries his head into a corner of the stone. I did also save the dice um, from earlier, and I just slide the the big dot eye that he used to play with back to him. He doesn't bat it away, but he doesn't engage with it either, right? As it's just like right next to his big paw. At this moment, all of you have exited out into the corridor. You hear the pitter-pattering of really urgent feet coming down the corridor toward you. Uh, and you all see a fucked up looking gnome. Uh, he is just covered in bruises and scratches. Part of his hair has been like torn out a little bit. He looks a little like, like his eyes are really wide. Uh, and he's dressed in the plain leather armor and the proud uniform of the Andake Postal Service. And he like pulls up immediately to your group and he has like a, a rolled up scroll in one hand. And he says, 
Who, which one of you is known as Paragon of Sin? Which one? The, you, right? It's you? I really wish people wouldn't address me like that on my mail. And Oka snatches it. Here. This was just through Dabathati. But my gods are the people angry. The people angry? Yeah, well, because of because of your... You're gentle, right? Everyone's been talking about you. You're, what you said at the conference, and then how the Imago was a no-show, and... Wow. Well, people are rioting in the streets. It feels like, ooh, it feels like the rage again. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It's mostly contained. It's mostly contained. I just have to fight through the thick of it to get to a, a sewer entrance. But I'm okay oh. now. Here's your letter. I can heal you up a little bit, too. Uh, uh, are you going to charge me for that? Because people have offered before, but they've tried to charge me. No, 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 no. Okay, then, and yes, please. Oh, ooh, oh, my bones. Ah, oh, my hair is coming back. Oh, God, it tickles. Oh, thank you. Please take the fucking scroll. Oka takes the fucking scroll. My work here is done. Uh, and the courier turns around and just runs back down the hallway. Oka looks after him, looks down at the scroll. If this explodes, I'm going to be so fucking mad about it. And they open it. The scroll is sealed with a green stamp. Uh, with white glittering on the indentation. And the indentation is the sigil of the chrysalis. And written in Talmadi is a letter addressed to you in this beautiful longhand, a little loopy, but very formal. Uh, and each letter is very distinct. It reads, Paragon of Sen et al. Let's call a truce. I don't want to run and hide anymore. And I get the feeling you don't want to keep chasing me. Meet me at midnight by the monster cages. Your dragonborn traitor will know what that means. Adam. Oka reads it and then silently passes it to Sitlali. Sitlali cannot read Talmadi. <laughs> So Lolly's looking at it like, the fuck? <laughs> Lolly's like, just kind of looks at it, looks to Oka. What does it say? <sighs> Oka takes it back and reads it out. Uh, and I think their words falter over your dragonborn traitor, but they say the words as written. The last time I met Adam in an alley, some very bad things happened to me, so. <laughs> when I was there last, he did say that if I came back, that the <clears throat> monsters could eat me. I don't know if that still stands, but this Where seems is... like a bad meeting place. Where was there? Jaron gestures vaguely in the air. The monster cages <clears throat> that he mentioned in the letter. Which are where? The basement of the Chrysalis uh, headquarters. What the fuck were you doing there? I, I was looking for information about the chrysalis. I thought that maybe they had research or administered. It really doesn't matter anymore. You what? You weren't kidnapped. You went there. You just waltzed in? They didn't notice that I waltzed in. At least not at first. So Lali abruptly turns away from Jaron and just turns to Mercy and goes, so are we going or? Well, uh, obviously this is a trap, right? I mean, we can't believe a word out of this fucking snake's mouth. No, we can't. But I think we should go. Armed to the fucking teeth, and before that snake can open his mouth, we kill him. I have some questions for him. Uh, oh, yes, of course, dear. Whatever you want. 
And so Ollie smiles at that. Uh, Oka, uh, the letter is addressed to you. What do you think we should do? I think we should go. Together. I'd like to come to- I, I assume that's what you mean when you say together. Uh, just- I've never met Adam before, uh, but I've heard about him a lot from V and now obviously what's happening here. And I'd like to, I'd like to get a first-hand experience of what it's like to deal with the chrysalis. Please trust me when I say you do not. If anything bad happens, I'll make sure to help, of course, but I'll let all of you lead whatever negotiations occur. Gentle. I kind of look over to Bud and I'm like, do you want to come with? Hmm. If not, no. we have a nice little garden you could hang out in. Okay. You have to be safe and careful. Fine. I'll stay in the garden. I don't want to go do things for you and with you right now. I don't... I'm mad at you. I... Hmm. And, like, like, puts paws back over, like, his ears and goes quiet. Is he throwing a tantrum? I, I think he's he's at the trouble years. It's It'll be okay, I think. I'm just going to have to make lots but, of nice food, so... But is he the equivalent of, like, a teenager? Because that's kind of old to be throwing a tantrum, know what I mean? I I mean, you see you see his living conditions. Ugh. He was given everything he asked for. I guess he's gotten spoiled a little bit. We gotta toughen him up, feed him some rocks. Know what I mean? No. I mean, respectfully, don't. what the fuck? That's what Hinsa did to me. Sucked on rocks when I was thirsty, know what I mean? Generates spit, hardens thirsty. the- You cannot compare yourself to normal people. Thank you. So, Mercy, might I also point out that you did almost kill Hinsa for the fact that he made you suck on rocks? I did. I did do that. Okay, well, maybe not rocks. But, uh, uh, Bud, if you want to stay at the garden while we go do things, perfectly fine. Hmm. Fine. Then I guess we have until midnight. I think on that... Uh, we cut through, like, I think a montage of your group's preparations until midnight. We, like, pan up through layers of sediment, of dirt, of bones, right, of skeletons, right, of more dirt, rock, grass eventually, and then stone, and then more grass, and then, boom, we, like, see, like, the upper area of Dabathati. I don't know, I was thinking of stuff on the ground, and grass just came up, but I know Dabathati's a mountain stronghold. You know what, just forget the grass part, but we, we pan through layers of sediment uh, to get up to the surface level of Dabathati, where we see the hustle and bustle of the city choked up by, not riots, but, like, protests. Angry people congregating in the streets, uh, specifically the streets around the Senate House, uh, holding signs demanding answers about the chrysalis. Uh, we also like cut through the sea of people to in front of the chrysalis headquarters, uh, where like chrysalis people like in robes are desperately trying to keep like angry like citizenry of Dabathati demanding answers to their many questions at bay. Right, the orphanage uh, house itself is still like clear of people, but the fence around it has just like throngs of people. Like some people are like picking up rocks and throwing it into the yard. You know what I mean? Like people have like signs up being like, we want answers, like a, like a big like X over like a chrysalis, you know, someone else has a sign that says, who is gentle? You know, like that they're like holding off. And it's just like, it's just so many like confused feelings, mixed emotions, right? And people within the crowd are fighting against each other too. Like they, there seem to be various sides. There are people who just want to know what the fuck happened during the conference. Where was the miracle, right? Other people who want to know, like there were clearly people like disrupting the miracle. Like, can we find them and hold them accountable? What was with that fog? Who is gentle? Where is the imago? Like all these questions, we just hear pe the, the shouting of people like echo all the way up to the cavernous roof of Dabathati uh, as afternoon 
noon turns inevitably into evening. So, what are the four of you doing to prepare for your parlay with Adam? Well, Jaron is going to have uh, attempted to, anyway, uh, debrief everybody on the map that he made of the Chrysalis headquarters from the last time that they were there. I don't know who is receptive to this information, but whoever is, uh, will will have that as well. And he will also want to have spoken to Sith Lolly specifically about the nego- like about whatever negotiations were about to have be making because assuming that things are going to go the way that they normally do sit lolly's probably going to be doing a lot of the talking yeah they can talk um sit lolly i i know you spoke to adam so i think you probably can understand this better than anybody else here i don't think that we're going to be able to make any sort of deal with him today no and we shouldn't no he doesn't hold his end of the bargain not not in any way that he should, anyway. He promised me that Oka would be safe and, well, their life was always in danger. Right. So I just wanted to ask you, what exactly are we getting ourselves into? Why are we even going? We're going because I want his head on a spike. And you think that we can, what, surprise him into it? It's the Chrysalis headquarters, Sitlali. And we're going into, if I may remind you, the place where they keep all of their empty monsters, and Adam can control them. I've seen it. So can you, if I remember correctly. And if it comes down to it, you want me to what? Fight him for control over the empty? Yes. I can't risk hurting any of you by accident again. So speak very carefully. (sighs) Okay, fine. But I'm trusting you here, okay? Because you know what he's capable of. Yes, I do. Uh, and on that, I think uh, we hear like the splashing of water. I think this isn't Karishma Vatawa's secret garden where you, you all are preparing. Uh, as Mercy strides, uh, maybe past uh, Gentle. So Gentle, how are you preparing to talk with Adam? Um, I'm currently cooking food. I mean, I know what I have to do as Gentle. I just need to make food for Bud now to make sure he's content while he's waiting for us to come back. What do you, What are you trying to make? Um, I'll try my best, uh, you know, deconstructed filet uh, mignon. Uh, we smell like the sizzling of meat as you, perhaps you use some magic to like quickly thaw it out and defrost it. Uh, and Bud is sort of like sulking next to some petunias. Nose starts perking up as like the sizzling of the meat like starts drifting through the air. Uh, tell me how you're like spicing up this filet mignon. I am probably using a mix of like the spices I tend to use for uh, morosi based dishes especially to give it that extra, like, hometown feel. And then I think I am, of course, making enough for everyone, but, like, the, the best cut's going to bud. I'm so sorry, everyone. I gotta fix this. <laughs> um, I think the other thing is, while Dr. O's here, I did want to ask Dr. O just a, a little a little thing. Yes. Dr. O, I think, is actually, like, sitting by very eagerly, like, watching you. Like, oh, is this a traditional Morosan way of, of cooking? I see that you've got some hot coals in, in your pan. Yeah. Um, I... A thing I did kind of want to ask, um, it's like for a favor or for a project, I guess. Uh, of course. I mean, it depends on the project. I'm stretched a little thin and I don't want to commit no, to oh, something that I can't no, of course. commit to. What is it? Um, you know how like for tea you use little infusers? Yes. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe either help me or if you didn't mind just making some for every one of the hounds. 
just so you know i can just in case we ever are separated i can make little uh like packs of tea for them uh, of course that's very sweet of you gentle i'll make sure to make them before we part ways again you can do that that easily well, yes. I mean, infusers are quite simple. Uh, I just need to look at one. I'll memorize its shape, uh, get some mesh wiring. I think I have some back at the cottage. Uh, just a couple of silver instruments here and there. Should be good. Oh, okay. Um, did you want some steak, by the way? Yes, please. And yeah, I think I just made, like, a meal for the hounds. <laughs> it's important to be well-fed and energized going into a confrontation with a horrible salesman from 2016. Bud's nose twitches with your 19, right? As Dr. Luso goes off to inform everyone dinner's ready and lifts his head a little bit. You see him begin to salivate, but he says, that smells horrible. Nothing like how Sybil, Sybil's chefs make it at all. Yeah, but this was uh, home cooked and made with love. And maybe if you try it, you might still like it. I gave you the big cut. Uh, he bites it, chews it and swallows it. That was disgusting. Disgusting. He turns around, right? Clearly lying. Uh, turns around. <laughs> no, no, you don't even have to. He was lying through his teeth. He's like drooling so much. Turns around and keeps sulking. But like you hear like his tummy, which was rumbling, like stop rumbling. I think I just smile a little contently at that and just start writing down some like recipes I want to make for Bud. Uh, as Dr. Aluso takes like a plate of dinner, like across the way, I think they stop in front of Oka. Uh, so Oka, how are you preparing? Uh, I think Oka had unsheathed Dream Hunter and was, I think, with Mercy for a little while, like, polishing and sharpening it. Uh, and I think then they fell asleep. Like, I think the sword is kind of, like, planted in the ground. Like, they're, like, leaned up against a tree. They slept for, like, three hours in a hole. Uh, and they didn't sleep at all the night before. And they're exhausted. So I think they, like, have, have like, fallen asleep kind of, like, literally, like, holding the sword against themselves. Like, it's a stuffed animal. A very sharp stuffed animal. When nobody was looking, I think Jerron would have come by and put, like, a blanket over Oka to make sure that they are comfortable. But making sure that nobody sees this. Yeah, uh, Oka, you smell through your dreamless nap. Uh, really delicious meat smell? And you also hear a voice go, Oka? Oka? Uh, 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 huh? Huh? Uh and your Sorry, mouth what? is full of meat uh, as you unconsciously surge forward, biting, and you've just bitten into the <laughs> filet mignon. Oh, Oka, Oka, hello. Ugh. And Oka drops it. Oh, uh, that, what is that? It's filet mignon. You love meat. And Dr. Luso like, flings their hand a bit, and, like, the filet mignon, like, drifts off the grass, uh, and they, like, clean it off, right? It almost seems to, like, whirl backward through time, like, before you slapped it, uh, and, and it, like, plants back down onto the plate. Ah, just some minor chronomancy I picked up. I think in Jukai. I don't quite remember. Are you okay, Oka? Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I nap. Uh, and Oka takes the plate and, like, starts uh, cutting into it a little bit. They put a piece in their mouth, and then they take the piece out. Is something wrong? Please don't tell Gentle, but I'm pretty sure that they dumped coal into this. What? Do you mind if I try it? Oh, gentle. Godspeed. Oh, no. And Dr. Luso puts it in their mouth. Like, they tilt their head to the side. Huh. They chew, and they swallow. Hmm. They cut another piece in, like, more fervently. They pick it up, and they just chew it and eat it like normal. Oka, this is really good. It's some of the best steak I've had, actually, in recent years. It, it, it tastes like soot. L like ash. 
No, Oka, it tastes... Oh. And Dr. Luso puts the plate back down, like, on, on top of some rocks and says, oh, Oka? No, please. I can't do Oka. this today. Not this. Please. And Oka lifts the blanket, I think, up over their head and, like, tries to hide themselves. Please. Oka. I can't. I think Not perhaps today. what removing Vinash from your soul means your soul's more yourself. So when it f rushes in to fill the gap, more aspects of your Lian self are- No, don't say it, please. You might have to become vegetarian. You hear a scream from the corner of the camp, like a wail of despair. Mercy comes running, is booking it. Newly sharpened greatsword out. What? Where is it? Where is he? I'll cut that smug smirk off his blonde little face. Mercy, I'm a vegetarian. What? No, you're not. And they throw the blanket down. Yes, I am. Oh, fuck. It's happened, right? And like Mercy turns to Dr. Alusa, who nods grimly, like delivering like a, like a news of death. Uh, and Mercy just <clears throat> plants the sword in the ground, strides up to you, Oka, pulls you up, like throws like the blanket off your head. So you're like face her. She claps a big hand on your shoulder and says very seriously, invigoratingly, Oka, it's okay. You can still eat pussy like a champ. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Oka Hien fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.